This is a message from the ministry of the International Baptist Church of Debrecen. For more information about our church, visit ibcdebrecen.com. Okay, so as you know, last week we start a new series who will uh, talk about the seven letters the Lord sent to the seven church of Asia. So over the next week, we will going through Revelation 2 and Revelation 3, which contain these seven letters. Because God is very concerned about the church, which is why he sent those letters. So the, to give you some word about those letters, it's seven letters described without concession, various situations, works, a good or less uh, spiritual state, with encouragement, reproach, warnings, and exhortation. And even if we can situate uh, each of the church mentioned historically, we can understand that the message in the letter to them goes far beyond their history and concerns us too. So the seven church mentioned in the book of Revelation from, from a very specific group. Their number and choice is determined by the Lord. This number, seven, means that they represent the total number of church, not only at the time of John the Helder, when John the Helder received revelation, but in all time and on the whole earth. So each letter specifies a particular situation. Encouragement and reproof are not fixed in a given time or a place. The message is valid for church of all time and all nationalities. So it's up to us to pay attention on it. And especially today, we have to pay attention. After, you know, the first coming of Christ, we are 2,000 years after his first coming. And we can see that today, on the prophetic level, many things are moving. You know, uh, we can uh, divide prophecies in three groups. The first one, the prophecy which concerns Israel. The second one, which concerns the nation. And the third one, which concerns the Church of Christ. And today we are a part of a generation where we see a lot of things moving in these three groups. For example, if we look at Israel, um, we can see that the Israelites uh, 65 years ago, 75 years ago, sorry, they miraculously recovering their promised land, the land of Abraham who was promised. And today, Israel are on the verge of building a third temple. If we look uh, on Israel news, we can see that the Jew already forged the tools and built the temple furniture. And they know by scientific method how belong to the Levite tribute to perform the sacrifice. So it's important for us because we know that there will be a third temple because when the Antichrist will come, it's prophesied that he will settle in the holy place. If we look at the nation, 
one of the biggest signs, and it's my personal opinion about it, it's what is told in Matthew 24 about in the end of time, the gospel will, will be preached all over the world. This passage is really clear. It doesn't say the gospel will be believed, but it will be preached. And we can see today that radio, TV, internet is the big channels of spreading the gospel. And even in the country who refuse, or, uh, refuse the Bible and refuse the teacher of the Bible, just a man with an internet connection and a phone can consult a message from China, from France, from US. So God had opened that door. If we look at the church, we have many verses about the state of the church at the end of time. The more time passes, the more we have an apostate church. It could be a doctrinal apostasy or a love apostasy. The church starts start to be apathetic. So we know that these kind of things will come before the Antichrist. First, the teachers will let come some bad doctrines, but also the people in the church will become really cold. Remember what Paul said in 2 Timothy 3, verse 1 to 5. But know this, that in the last days, perilous time will come, for men will be lover of themselves, lover of money, Boaster, prude, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, dispersers of good, traitor, headstrong, haughty. And there, Paul will continue with two sentences that which made it clear that it's talking about the church and not about the non-believer. He continues by saying, lover of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. So we understand with these two sentences that this passage cannot describe non-believer because non-believers don't love God. They don't have the love agape as Christian we have. So this verse describes the state of the church. And maybe today is not really visible in Hungary, but I can say where I am from, the church, a lot of church fits with description. But whatever, it's just a prophetic outline. We are not here to detail more and more, but it's to understand why it's more than ever the time to come closer from the Lord and listen carefully what the Lord wants to tell us through those letters. So let's start with the letter to the church of Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2, verse 1 to 7. Revelation 2, verse 1 to 7. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these things Say he who told the seven stars in his right hand, who walk in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your work, your labor, your patience, 
and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested who, those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered in and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstands from its place, unless you repent. But this you have, that you ate the deeds of the Nicolaitan, which I also ate. He was an here, let him hear what the Spirit said to the church. To him who overcome, I will give to it from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So, we can see this letter. Like I said before, God cares about the church. And in fact, every Sunday when you come at the church, he is here in the midst of the church. So in this passage, he is the one here who walk among the golden lampstand. And he come to judge the spiritual state of the Ephesian church. So in this letter, he starts with about uh, the, the things who are going well. He say. The church is a hard-working church. It's a persevering church. It's also a church who does not compromise with evil. And in Ephesus at this time, it was probably really difficult to do, don't compromise with evil. Because in the city of Ephesus, there were like a big temple who was consecrated for the goddess Diana, the fertility goddess and this goddess was worshipped by a lot of people so this temple attract a lot of people in the past who came to practice idolatrous cult and some people were really happy about that because a lot of craftsmen make this, this the flourish uh, business by making little idols so there were a big temple, there were idols, and a big business for a lot of people. So when the church started to come and say, okay, this is bad, this is an idol, this is a false god, a lot of people were probably really angry. Jesus continued and say, it's a church who tests its teachers. Nobody can come on the pulpit and say everything. It's also a church who resists to suffering. She never gets tired to stand for Christ. And that's a big quality. And at the end, he concludes that also it's firmly opposed to the Nicolaitan cult. So the exact origin about the Nicolaitan is unclear. Some theologians tells us that the Nicolaitans are really close from Baalam doctrines. They claim to be Christian, but still continuing to live their life like believers 
and mix the gospel with false doctrine. They don't repent. They let bad stuff come and worship God in the same time. But we have to be cautious because the Bible don't talk too much about it. So all the sources we have about that fact is extra-biblical resources. So what we know for sure, the doctrine of the Nicolaitan try to come in the church and pervert the church, and the church stand against it. So when you look at this church, it looks like really perfect, you know. It looks like the church is really devoted, the doctrine is good, and the, the church persevere. If we can compare in a marriage, it's the perfect husband or the perfect wife. But God will say to the church, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. This church hasn't lost its first love, it just abandoned it, it given up. So we can keep this picture of the marriage. It's like some marriages. In the early years, you are on fire for your wife and your, and your husband. Every thought you have in, the, in your mind is about your love. It's about your, your wife or your husband. You want to make gifts. You want to really be here for her. And the duty in the family comes. The first child comes. And you have to stay on top at work to be able to really provide for the family. And if you are courageous, you will maybe have a second child or a third child. And day after day, the family duties take the first place, the first place in the marriage. And the love that was the basis of this relationship take the second place. You know, some men are really good provider. Some men are really good father. And even they are faithful. But the relationship in the marriage seems to be downgraded. It seems that this couple who were once full of love for each other had become like roommates. They shared the same common goal, but they are not really warm for each other. So family duty is going well, but the relationship gets colder and colder. And for us, this picture is really important because with God, the same thing can happen. Your relationship can be, but can become really cold. Just for example, today, be honest. Do you remember the first week you spent with the Lord after being saved? How do you feel during this first week you spent with the Lord? The first month after being saved? The first three months? The heart was burning for the Lord. We were really... We have a lot of zeal for the Lord. Whatever, in during this time, in the first month, first week, whatever the Lord asked, we were ready to go without concession, without resistance. 
You know, there are a lot of things we can do wrong when we are a, a young Christian. But what is for sure, this love is pure. The first love is full of goodwill. After, you know, you continue your, mar your, your, your walk with the Lord, after some years, biblical knowledge grows, trial and suffering enter in your young Christian life. And if you are not careful... You can start to be apathetic. You can st start to have apathy in the front of the Lord. You can start to be cold within. You still love God, but it's not as the beginning. How many couples you ever heard saying, I love my wife, but it's, it's not really like in the first time. Many times I heard this sentence, yeah, I love her, but... It's not like in the beginning. So we need to be careful. When the love for God decreased, some symptoms start to appear in your life. With the time running and our busy life, the quality hours you use it to give to the Lord in prayer have been transformed in five, ten minutes prayer in the bus or in the car. When you were young Christian, it was hours. It was the quality time with the Lord. It was the time when we were really, um, sorry, I don't have the word, but awake. It was not like the last time we have in the days. And the content of the prayer start to change before we emptied all of our hearts before the Lord. We share everything because the goal was to have intimacy with him. And with the time come and the prayer is more like, God, please, I need this. God, please have this problem. Please help me to resolve it. Please, 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 God. The relationship changed. The daily reading of the Bible to hear the Lord's voice speaking to us has been transformed in daily promises. And some people even justify not reading the Bible or listening to the God's word because they consume two or three biblical messages per week. And I have nothing with that. You can consume a lot if you want. But the problem is if besides that you don't take personal time with the Lord, your knowledge will increase but not your relationship with the Lord. Your relationship with the Lord will stay at the same level. It's an important thing to understand, even in, in this really uh, challenged world, uh, like uh, in every part uh, in, of, um, of our life, we need to be competitive, but it's not like that with the Lord. The Lord really don't care about big brain if we have no love in the heart. He don't want to transform you in data center about uh, a lot of fact about God. It's really not what the Lord called for us. Another symptom really important, sharing the gospel. In the beginning, we were ready to share the gospel with everyone and without concession. Even if we, uh, with the boss uh, at, at our workplace, it really doesn't matter. We were ready to do that. But with the time... When the love decreased, we started to seek excuses 
to don't share the gospel, the things that Jesus asked from us. There is some excuses. I can do this at work. I will get fired. I can do this with my friend or my family because they will reject me. Or I can do this in the street because of my reputation. So the excuses come and we share less and less the gospel. You know, before, I remember when I was a young Christian, even every time I find someone in the street, my first question was, does he know Jesus? Is he saved or not? And I think it was for a lot of Christians like that. But after, the indifference is slowly setting in. And you know, even in the church, the attitude starts to change. The heart no longer burns to meet God. It's more meeting friends or meeting the community. But if the church is here, it's to meet God with our brothers and sisters. It's not meeting the friends. So if today in your life you recognize some symptom like that, then it's time to return to the Lord with all of your heart. It's time to put the brakes on everything that occupies you too much, too much of your time, all of your duties, and go visit God in your secret place. It's like, it's the time to do like Nathaniel did when he had personal time under the fig tree with the Lord. It's really important to come back with all of your heart because the lack of love you have for God will affect also the love you have for your neighbors. It's funny because Jesus gave two commandments in Matthew 22, 36 to 40. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments hung all the law and the prophets. And that's funny because it's not two different commandments. Actually, this is just one commandment the Lord gives us. Because we can notice in John 4, 20, that the first commandment bear witness to the second one. John, 1 John 4, 20 said, If someone says, I love God and hate his brother, he is a liar, for he does not love his brother whom he has seen, how he can love God whom he has not seen. So it's really clear. You cannot love your neighbor if you don't love God. And you cannot love God if you hate your neighbor. So this really disease, the lack of, of uh, love, when it's spread to the church, the result is really catastrophic. It's an open door to a lot of evil. To give you an example of the type of threat that this can create. I don't know if you know Chaba from the Bible study. He comes sometimes, he doesn't uh, speak English, but sometimes he, he comes and one day he shares his testimony. He shares how he gets healed in his life and how 
because of his illness, the his financial life started to decrease. And he came and asked help from the church. And the church said to him, if you are in this position, it's probably because you have a sinful life. Or it's probably because you live in disorder. So he left the church. He don't find any support from the church and he finished by ended up in the street. He started to search food in the trash. He started to beg money. And one day he finds someone. He, he met someone who starts to help him financially every day. God started to provide money to Chaba through this man every day. And he helped him so much that he was able to get off the streets and find a stable situation to live decently. So I don't know how much this man gave to Shaba, but to get him off from the streets, I think it's really a consequent amount. So the question is, was there no one in this church to help him? Just one man helped him to get off the streets, but in the church we are 10, 20, maybe 30 people. We are able to help him. And also, you personally, would you have been there to help such a man in this position? Or your heart remain closed face to this situation? 1 John 3, 17 to 18 say, and it's really important, if anyone has material possession and sees a brother or a sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with word or speech, but with action and truth. There is a lot of people today who love with just the mouth, with just speech. A lot of people who just say in the front of really poor people, yes, I will pray for you, I will pray for you. But sometimes the need is urgent and physical. So we are not supposed to kick poor people out of the church. We are not supposed to just keep the financial financially stable people. Another fruit you can notice when this lack of love is spread in the church, and I noticed it like in the last summer, I was on the way on the pool, and on the way on the pool, I met a prostitute. She offered me her service, but unfortunately, as a Christian, I tell her I, I cannot accept it. And we tried to communicate, and it was difficult because she was not able to speak English. And she showed me a medical bill. So I understood she needs money, so I helped her a little bit. And at the end, we take time, and I prayed for her. And after, I was happy about it. I come back and I talk about this fact with some friends, and they all say me the same things. It's really not common here in Hungary to see people in the street pray for the prostitute or for the poor people. 
I'm really sad to hear that. Because we are supposed to be the light of the world. Whatever we set a foot, whatever people we meet, even if it's a bad guy or a good guy, it's our responsibility. Jesus showed us the example he, by eating at the table of the publicans and the people of bad repute in the Levi's house. He showed us the example with the Samaritan woman, the Samaritan woman who uh, lived in adultery. And she was even not part of the Jewish people because Samaritan and Jewish was separated. But Jesus didn't reject him. Jesus told to her she, that he is the Messiah. So that's the same question. You, today, with your heart, how would you have reacted in this situation when you met a person like this? What is your reaction? Revelation 2, verse 5 say, Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first work, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place. This sentence is really, really important. When the Lord said he is going to remove the lampstand, it means he is going to leave the church. That means the member will be still here, the pastor will be still here, there will still like teaching and events, but the most important person will be not here in the church. The Lord will be no longer inside the church. So the church will be physically alive, but spiritually dead. And a spiritual dead church, whatever the size or the works, is like salt who has lost its flavor. It's completely useless for the kingdom of God. So remember, therefore, from where you have fallen and repent, do the first works. You know, there is still the time to come before the Lord and ask for forgiveness if you have this kind of symptom or if you feel that the love starts to decrease. There is still time to come before the Lord and seek his face with all of your heart. The Bible says in Isaiah 55, verse 6 to 7, it says, seek the Lord while he may be found. And today the door is not closed. You can find the, you can find the Lord. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thought. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. It's, it's a promise for us. You can come to the Lord and he will pardon you. There is still the time to put the Lord at the first place in your life. It's not God who should revolve around your life, but it's your life that should revolve around God. So to conclude quickly, if you feel that over the years you have abandoned your first love for the Lord, today 
make this decision to return to him with all of your heart. The Lord concludes his letter by this word, and it's really important. We should put our faith in his word and find the strength to persevere in this love. He said, to him who overcome, I will give to it from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Amen. Let's pray together. Thanks, Lord, for your goodness and your faithfulness. Thanks for everything. Thanks because you are really a good father. And heaven, when we make mistakes, you let us time to come and ask for forgiveness. And not just that. With your Holy Spirit, you come and you purify your heart. heart. You come and you change completely our character, our heart, and you purify everything. Lord, if our love decreases for you, we just ask for forgiveness. If the time and the difficulties and the comfort just make us lukewarm, please, Lord, come and save us. We want to be a warm church for your kingdom. We want to work well to your kingdom, but for you, because we love you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you so much for lending us your ears and your time today. If your curiosity has been piqued and you'd like to learn more about our church and the work we do, please feel free to visit our website at ibcdebretson.com. Better yet, we warmly invite you to join us in person and experience our community firsthand. We look forward to welcoming you 